Welcome to the May Pensions Podcast from the Stevenson Harwood Pensions Law Team. You can subscribe and listen on iTunes, Stitcher and SoundCloud or by visiting our website at www.shlegal.com. I'm Stephen Richards, a partner in the Pensions Team, and I have with me Alex Rush, a senior associate in the team. Today we're going to be talking about some of the key Pensions Law developments up to the end of May 2019, including further guidance in respect of GMP equalisation, the upcoming Pensions Dashboards clarification from Europe that retrospective equalisation is not possible and the Pensions Ombudsman's view of its jurisdiction in response to the High Court case of Burgess and Bick. Thanks Stephen. The industry has been provided with a further steer on achieving GMP equalisation in the form of a new guidance paper from the Department for Work and Pensions. This guidance looks at how occupational pension schemes could use existing GMP conversion legislation to address unequal GMPs. The conversion legislation is not new, but past uncertainty about the need to address unequal GMPs meant that there was little incentive to adopt it. However, the spotlight is now back on conversion following last autumn's Lloyd's Banking Group judgment, which confirmed that schemes must equalise pensions for the effect of GMPs, and that one way of achieving this was GMP conversion. At first glance, there are clear benefits to GMP conversion since it could involve a one-off process which enables schemes to convert and therefore rid themselves of GMPs once and for all. This may be more appealing than other GMP equalisation methods which have administratively burdensome consequences like requiring dual member records and annual equalisation exercises. As a result, conversion may result in a scheme that is simpler to operate and more attractive, for example, to an insurer in the context of a buyout. So, Alex, does this mean conversion is the solution to achieving GMP equalisation? Well, Stephen, quite possibly, but I think we may still be some way off a stampede towards GMP conversion. The DWP guidance is certainly helpful with its tenfold path towards achieving conversion. Yet, at the same time, the paper presents a number of knotty, practical issues for any conversion process without any clear solutions, and a message that it's for the trustees to sort these issues out with their advisors. In addition, we have a number of key upcoming developments, which may mean that trustees are going to be wanting to hold off any sort of uh, decision on conversion or equalisation. And these include planned changes to the GMP conversion legislation, on which the DWP paper didn't contain any clues as to what those changes would be, upcoming guidance from HMRC on dealing with some of the tax fallout of the equalisation or indeed conversion process, and likely court hearings which may further clarify the approach schemes should or may want to take in relation to GMP equalisation. Thanks very much, Alex. The government has confirmed further change in the pensions industry with the future introduction of pension dashboards – So pension dashboards are intended to revolutionise retirement planning by enabling people to access all their pension information in a single place online. Ultimately, dashboards should help people make more educated decisions about their retirement savings. In a consultation response, the government has confirmed that it will facilitate the delivery of pensions dashboards as a key priority and expects to see initial industry dashboards developed and tested later this year. In order to achieve this, it will bring forward legislation at the earliest opportunity to compel all pension providers to make consumers' data available through a dashboard. The majority of pension providers will be expected to be ready to go live with their data within a three- to four-year window. 
Whilst the government recognises it as a role to play in facilitating dashboards, it's the pensions industry that's ultimately going to be tasked with developing and delivering them. The response, therefore, also confirms that the single financial guidance body will host a non-commercial dashboard and will create an industry delivery group to oversee the delivery of the project. The government has also suggested that pension providers and schemes start getting ready now by preparing the necessary data ahead of the anticipated legislation. Our next topic considers the case of Safeway and Newton, in which the European Court of Justice Advocate General has given his opinion that retrospective equalisation is, as many already suspected, not permissible. The Safeway pension scheme had unequal normal retirement dates of 65 for male members and 60 for female members. Following the European Barber decision in May 1990, this practice was considered unlawful discrimination. As a result, normal retirement dates were automatically equalised at the lower retirement age until the scheme rules provided otherwise. In this case, that being the case of the Safeway scheme, normal retirement dates were automatically equalised at age 60 from 17 May 1990 for both male and female members. The scheme purportedly amended normal retirement dates to age 65 for both male and female members from December 1991, and that was done by announcement. The scheme's governing documentation was subsequently amended to reflect this change on the 2nd of May 1996. The High Court and the Court of Appeal held that under the scheme's amendment power, an amendment to the scheme's governing documentation could only be made by deed. The announcements could not, therefore, have amended normal retirement dates under the scheme with effect on and from the 1st of December 1991. The amendment power did, however, allow for amendments to be made with retrospective effect. The question here was whether the 2nd of May 1996 amendment was valid retrospectively so as to change normal retirement dates to 65 with effect on and from 1 December 1991, or whether the amendment could only have prospective effect on and from the 2nd of May 1996. The Court of Appeal determined that this was a matter of EU law and therefore referred the question to the Court of Justice of the European Union. The Advocate General has proposed that the European Court of Justice responds to the referral by stating that the EU prohibition on the um, retrospective reduction of benefits applies whether or not the domestic rules of the pension scheme allow normal retirement dates to be amended retrospectively. On this reasoning, the amendment could only have been effective when the amendment was made on the 2nd of May 1996. Whilst the Advocate General's opinion is not binding on the Court of Justice, it is expected that the Court will follow it. For more background on equalisation and further detail on the Safeway and Newton case, you can refer to our briefing on the topic published in April. And lastly, we're going to have a quick look at an interesting statement released by the Pensions Ombudsman um, in light of the High Court case of Burgess and Bick. So the case was important in its own right. The recovery of overpaid pension is usually limited by a statutory six-year limitation period. However, in the decision of Burgess and Bick, uh, the court said that if overpayments will be recovered by equitable recoupment, this six-year limitation period would not apply. So under recoupment, trustees recover overpayments by making deductions from future pension payments. So quite an important case for trustees. However, the court considered that if the amount of the set-off is in dispute, recoupment can only be exercised if the obligation to repay had become enforceable under order of a competent court. Uh, And in the Bick case, the court took the view that the pensions ombudsman would not constitute a competent court for these purposes. 
The Ombudsman, unsurprisingly, rejects this analysis in its statement. It gives a number of reasons why, in its view, the Ombudsman should be deemed a competent court. So these reasons include the fact that a determination from the Ombudsman brings the dispute to an end, with the Ombudsman's direction being final and binding and subject only to an appeal on a point of law to the High Court. In addition, determinations of the Ombudsman are enforceable in the County Court as if they were a judgment of the County Court. So perhaps unsurprisingly, the Ombudsman is clearly taking a very proactive stance in clarifying what it considers to be the ambit of its jurisdiction. It will be interesting to see in time whether this Ombudsman seizes an opportunity to have this point formally decided in its favour by a court of law. Thank you, Stephen. That's all for this month's podcast. Further detail on the subjects discussed can be found in the May snapshot and also our briefing notes on GMP conversion and also the Safeway and Newton case or from your usual Stevenson Howard Pensions Law Team contact. Thanks very much for listening. We hope you found the podcast informative. And don't forget that you can listen again and subscribe to the series on iTunes, Stitcher or SoundCloud or on the Stevenson Howard website. <laughs>